0: for real stories on how global business gets done. This is Supply Chain Unfiltered, presented by the Institute for Supply Management.
1: I have a question for you. It's kind of a random thing, but where are you sitting? I know it's kind of strange, but literally where are you sitting? What part of the country are you sitting? Maybe you're sitting in a different country. Um, and if you would take where you're sitting and think of it in the manner of how that affects your business. Where does your business sit? And amid all the changes going on in supply chains, maybe you're, where you're sitting has changed, or maybe it's part of the conversation that's going on in the office. And uh, things are evolving so quickly. And so where you're sitting is a primary concern, most likely, Hi, I'm Melanie Stern, and this is another episode of Supply Chain Unfiltered, brought to you by ISM. And we are going to take a deeper dive into the industrial warehouse space and how changes in supply chain may be affecting you, either today or maybe at some time in the near future. And uh, ISM uh, took a look at industrial warehouse. About six months ago, we had done an article related to industrial warehouse and where things were sitting, so to speak, and uh, what to consider if you were thinking about doing some sort of move in manufacturing, for example. And at the time, uh, that article, now it's on the ISM uh, website, ismworld.org, I had interviewed Izzy Sonabend of NAI Horizon, and he is here with us today. Along with Drew Eisen, thank you both for being here.
2: Thanks, thank for you. Us. Thanks. All
1: right, so I figured six months is enough time. Ah. It's gone by. We need an update, right? Mm-hmm. So, what do you think is uh, is going on with industrial warehouse, and what, what has shifted since then, if anything? Are we still are we stagnant? Is everything the same?
0: Um, it, it, to begin with, that just that, that's a great question. I'll ask that in a minute. Okay. But We've got to contextualize it first. Great. And so I, I thought about what we were going to be talking about, and and it occurred to me that this was the cycle that we're living through, because uh, supply chain management is a dynamic uh, uh, field. Things don't stay the same all the same uh, all the time. Uh, when I was younger, uh, everything was made in America. Whatever you were getting mm-hmm. from appliances to uh, cars to uh, widgets, everything was made in America, and at some point. Uh, it became more profitable to offshore. And so everybody started offshoring Mm -hmm. and they would go into far remote places and they would start uh, uh, having their product built outside of America. And inside of America, we came more of a distribution than a manufacturing area. Uh, Then I think what happened is that the worst two words that you could hear in warehousing came up and that's back order. Mm-hmm. So when you're getting product from overseas, it takes a period of time to get there and distribute and whatever, and people were on back orders. And even as societies uh, uh, progress today, everything is about the need for speed. So they went from that uh, offshoring into something called real-time logistics. And the real-time logistics meant that, like, like if you were to walk into a 7-Eleven and pull a soda off the, mm-hmm. from the refrigerator uh, uh and pulling out the other ones, move up until they're all depleted. Somewhere along that process, somebody's gonna come and refill that rack so that they're never out of it. That was what real time logistics mm-hmm. was like. So uh, they would figure that the manufacturers, in particular, when they were gonna run out of stuff, they were gonna have it restocked and they had a system in which to do so. Then came the lockdown. Right. So we were locked down for this longest time, and what happened there is all the cargo ships stacked up in the, uh, in the ocean, the
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they couldn't get to the port. And it had other side effects, like uh, moving uh, product up the coast, up the, uh, the western coast, into the ports that are there, or taking it around to the other side of the country. And there was a huge uptick in cargo freight into other ports than Port of L.A., cause, and, and we were all locked down. From the lockdown, uh, all of a sudden, the logjam cleared up, and uh, people were able to get their products into their warehouses, but they were a season late. So let's say if you're up in the northeast of the United States, you need car batteries in the winter, because that's when they go out. Well, they didn't get their car batteries until the spring or the summer. Uh, Similarly, like people, let's say, who ordered products for Halloween, Or Thanksgiving couldn't get them. But when they did get them, they weren't going to send them back for fear of not getting them again because the supply chain was so disrupted. So uh, what that what happened in supply chain at that point is what they I think they called it forward storage. And so as those ships were unloaded, uh, they had the people, the, the manufacturers and the distributors already had warehouses full of product that they were shipping here, they have a season or something that just landed on them that they can't send back. So we were busy trying to find short-term warehouses, or they would rack their warehouses and put all the product as high up as it could go in the front of the warehouse until such time as they could need it. Uh, I know this is a long answer, but there's a a reason for all (laughs) this. It's the
1: setup. It is. I mean, you have to <laughs>
0: contextualize what's going on right. in the supply chain to understand where we were and where we're going because right. what it was is what it will be. So, uh, okay. just, not to sound too scriptural, but uh, so, anyways, uh, the logs, I was, they, they got their products, they stored them away. Uh, now, uh, Amazon comes along and says, well, we have to be able to deliver stuff within 24 hours. And they keep shortening the timeline and when stuff has to be delivered in order for that to happen you can't have your product far far away so we got into what's now called nearshoring
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and nearshoring is where um... you're going it's something that's beneficial for all the countries that are participating in it but you've got to have a like frame of mind like uh, canada and, and the united states and mexico created that new nafta um, But they're nearshoring and and Mexico is exhibiting like historic levels of influx. We're right now starting to manufacture stuff either near or the next step will be in here, which brings us back to made in America, which is the beginning of how this whole cycle started. So that's the context of this. There's a dynamic to supply chain management and it'll go through different phases as what's needed at that time.
1: Right. But when you think about it, so even if uh, because of near shoring, onshoring, there's a shift in the supply chain, and if a company has decided to align their business with how things have shifted in that manner, that's gonna be costly. I mean there's cost related to a relocation, right? And I, if I remember correctly, when we chatted six months ago, you had said that, you know, we'll we'll talk about, you know, Arizona as a one of the southern, you know, border states. And at the time, we had vacancy rates were, were tight. Like there was, there was nothing. There was nothing. So if a company was looking for warehouse space, there was nothing to be had. And I, I believe the companies that had warehouse space here were looking for more, and there was none to be had. And so that would leave a company that, let's say, wanted to add a facility here um, or uh, re- wanted to relocate, they would have to consider new construction. And hmm. that's costly. So um, what, where are we at now? Is that, has that changed at all?
2: Well, and to speak to that, I yeah. was just thinking about the whole uh, near-shoring thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that is a defensive play, in my opinion, because of COVID. I think they realized being outside of the country, there are a lot of factors that, you know, disrupt the supply chain yeah, and just the being vulnerability. close. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it might be worth the cost of pursuing a new building in Arizona and, you know, taking on that cost of relocating and paying for a new build.
1: Right. And um, I, I'm sure you are in touch with, uh, I'll say, prospective clients or existing clients that uh, may have facilities across all across the country. Um, have Have you seen anything uh, different in in demand in certain areas of the country, or any uh, echoes of oversupply as far as the warehouse space? Uh,
0: I- I can answer that by uh, by saying that uh, NEI is an international network and very very strong in the United States. Over 200 offices of them they're all industri- they're, they all have industrial divisions. Uh, I am in a network. That deals with the executives, either the CEOs, the executives or the the top agents in all of those com- all of those companies in Jersey and Pennsylvania and Atlanta, Chicago. So I hear regularly because we do convene yeah, we regularly
2: connect,
0: yeah uh, so I hear what's going on in all the other markets, and I'll say that the things that we've been experiencing are the same things that they were experiencing in terms of build and supply and this and that. Uh, wouldn't you say so absolutely
2: yeah and we're on our western industrial call sale or sales call. we all kind of talk about what we're seeing in each market and I'd, I'd say that's pretty accurate we're seeing the same stuff
0: yeah and so when we were uh, thinning out our marketplace in terms of the available square footage others were too they were experiencing the same levels of activity that we were now um, somewhere along the line Uh, We went from being, again, I'm sorry if I'm dating myself, but Arizona was always, when I first moved here, they talked about it as being the five Cs. It was like copper and cotton and cattle and a couple other Cs. And we're not that anymore. Mm. We're not nearly that. We, We still have a lot of those elements, but we're like high tech and we're, uh, data center, and we're distribution, and geographically we're in a really good place. We're along the uh, what we was co- what was called the NAFTA highway, um, and, and we're getting all of this pressure from outside because we can still deliver a, a lot of product. And so while other um, states were really building up their inventory, we were building it up on steroids. It was just like, and. It was a who's who of developers, like every guy that you knew from across the country you know, who were sitting in, a, like in their clubhouse somewhere with their buddies over golf saying, you don't own anything in Phoenix? You're not known anything in Phoenix. And so Phoenix became that kind of a, a, a draw. And, and every developer that we know of is building or will build. And it hasn't really stopped. Elsewhere, it's slowing down, right?
2: Yeah. Mm. And, and it, to a degree, it is here on, on that side just because of interest rates and, and sales, and we're not seeing as much sales activity, especially mm-hmm. in this last quarter. So it's kind of having an effect on what people are projecting in the future in terms of absorption and things like that. So <laughs> there are a few other factors to consider.
1: So And, and with all that, so are you seeing um, has, uh, have requests for uh, you know, build-outs? you know, new construction, Um, has that, is there a shift away from that and stronger towards leasing inquiries?
2: I I think it's been stronger on the leasing side, and that's what I'm hearing from a lot of my buddies that are in the brokerage community. Um, It seems like it's full steam with leasing, and then uh, investment sales or developers that are looking for sites to build on right now, it seems like that hasn't, held up, but it's slowed down a little bit. So I think leasing has kind of propped up the industrial side in our last quarter.
1: And Mm -hmm. and do you think the developers are just kind of sitting on the laurels, poised for, oh, please, you know, maybe one day, maybe in the next two years, they're going to drop rates and then will that ignite things even further? Or do you think there's just a general shift in mentality about, you know, new construction is it you know is this slowdown you think going to continue or are we going to stagnate in the warehouse space even if rates drop what do you think it, it, i know you're not you're not the crystal ball here but yeah. I just thought it, i'd ask
0: in terms yeah, of progress. slow in terms of slowdown, like it, it really if we looked at the stats over the last number of years we were absorbing everything we were building and we were building over 20 million square feet a year wow and And that's always an area of controversy when you talk to CoStar or LoopNet or any of the other search engines is exactly when do you report this thing as being available? Is it the day that they get their permits approved? Is it the day that they cut the ribbon on the building? Because that's a span of eight or nine or ten months. And if you're counting it in your inventory, but you can't deal with it, then. But like I say, and throughout all of that, we were still absorbing everything that we were building in the course of a year. Uh, so the, the delta that we're now experiencing with uh, the outside markets, the outside pressure, what Drew and I do a lot of is tenant rep. We've got a lot of great relationships around the country. Um, many, uh, uh, Arizona isn't or hadn't traditionally been the home of huge corporations. Or, uh, and so um, relationships are created in other cities. And as a team, we tackle a lot of those assignments so we've seen a lot of income, and guys who aren't here before we're seeing guys who are here that are beefing up and not surprisingly in the construction industries and in you know at, again the high-tech industries are huge here and and there's no lack of building any corner of the city to support what's going on with tsmc and some mm-hmm. of the other chip builders that are coming yeah. now
2: yeah not to mention all the other guys that have to come to support those guys too I just worked with, uh, well, Izzy and I just worked with a, a buyer who uh, needed a building, and they specialize in fire safety for chip manufacturers. Perfect. A lot of people don't think about that, but those are the types of companies that need to be here because those guys are here. So it's it, you can't even think. It's hard to think of how many, th- how many different types of companies and businesses need to be here to support those guys, but it's a lot, and it's hard to put it into numbers.
1: And... Um... In, in your, uh, I'll say, broker network uh, across the country, are you, and you had mentioned, I think, Drew, that compared to here, things are slowing down a little bit elsewhere, but um, any ideas like for um, uh, Texas, for example, um, Florida, anything that makes, I'll say, logistics sense from a business standpoint, um, how... Are they experiencing similar to what we have here?
0: What do you think? It, it, there's a slowdown. Just generally, okay. Let's start okay. It with, let's start it with okay. that. There's a slowdown, and when the slowdown is felt elsewhere, it's felt it's felt here as well. We are still slave to the national economy, so whatever happens across the country is going to happen here. Uh, we were always. In the past, we were always the first city to shut down. Whenever there was a blip in the economy, like everybody would shut down their stuff in Phoenix immediately. You're nodding your head like you've got experience. Oh, very with- <laughs> painful. Yes, <laughs> you know, I know. So they, Phoenix was the first place, but we've been promoted. We're no longer this kind of secondary uh, city We're we're uh, going for primary status. We've actually been elevated and we're now known as a, a node. We're a node.
1: What a node! Yes. What, what does that mean? I don't I know, guess it's but
2: it's in was, between secondary yes, and
0: yes. But I was so excited to have gotten off the <laughs> secondary city status that like a node was a great upgrade. Yeah, we'll take
2: it. We're upgrading, wow. which is awesome. Okay, and it node. also makes us special. So yes. and I think that's why we're different from the rest of the country. We're, you know, we're right next to California. We got all these companies coming here. You know, yes, we it's do. a lot cheaper. There's no LA ports. There, it, the transportation going just back to california and then back here is cheaper for them to do than just having a yeah. distribution center on the port so yeah. there's so, a lot of that going on too
0: kind of in getting back to your first question about how it's changed the, the there's so many factors the the world became very very small stuff that happens across the world today impacts our economy today um here we cite the things that we are we're a right-to-work state that's huge when you're when you're uh a, going to be a big employer. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of the things that may have held us back, like uh, over the years, like when the economy was made in America, there were plants that were built everywhere across America, but not so much here because it was still too hot. People weren't manufacturing in Arizona, uh, not till the 50s or when when commercial, when AC became uh, commonplace or, or available. Uh, so they weren't. We don't have all of those rusted-out factories that you see throughout Michigan and right, you know the Midwest, true. the old car factories. And so that's kind of the um, that's the cornerstone of how the manufacturing is is getting resuscitated here. We have some of the bones. We just haven't been using them. Uh, so today, I think that the mantra, especially in the supply chain management, is that they're afraid of being cut off, like we were cut off during the lockdown. And so they're looking for alternate sources of product. And the best you can do is have it made here. The reason that it moved away from here was cost. You right. know, it's always, it's always, the, it's always so, the
1: money. So something that's going on in uh, manufacturing um, is there is the ESG, right? That uh, you know companies need to comply and consider complying. Because as we move forward, more regulation is coming into play and it's enforcement Uh, so I'm wondering if you when you're working with clients um, that want to uh, be in good graces I'll say with uh, regulation are are there conversations about um, being environmentally friendly you know in in the building that they choose to um, bring their business to or if you know, if they're doing new construction, are there an increase in requests for, uh, mm. you know, lead certified buildings? because I remember, when that first came about years ago, and so you know, I'm with a greater push because of ESG. I'm just wondering,
0: is <laughs> there is more that, of that? You know, I I, I, uh, I have tremendous faith in the the American entrepreneur. If there's a better, inexpensive way to make it, they'll find it. So. Uh, you know a lot of the pushes that w- that we've gone through about trying to find this out or the other. you leave it to the American entrepreneur they'll figure it out. The, they know how to make stuff, they know how to make it effectively and they know how to make it inexpensively. We went through a lot of you know there's so many variables, right? there's unions there's mm-hmm. there's so many things. so um, I think I'm finished with that topic. I, I, I can't think of anything else I'd want to say on that, but the, the the ESG is a tough one because I don't know that it uh, what purpose it's going to serve yet, uh, and yet uh, it's being voiced um, I guess on on American corporations. I don't know how many there are that are aren't that are complying. But in terms of the the buildings themselves, they're built with lead standards and they'll build with greater, always greater technology. Uh, It was unheard of ever to have an air conditioned warehouse in Phoenix because of the cost of it to cool off a cube, you know, Mm -hmm. a 35 foot cube or something. Today they're doing it. It's it's uh, being spec. They're building spec buildings with AC because the technology got such that the the air conditioning, all of that stuff is better. We're finding a better way. You know, we don't need to be. I don't think that American entrepreneurs need to be mandated into doing that stuff. They're finding the best way. A lot more to say about that, but it. uh.
1: (laughs) Okay, Um, so. As as companies are trying to, I guess, get a better balance of the inventory they have, they don't want to have too much. They don't want to have too little. (laughs) Is that affecting the kind of warehouse space that is, um, you know, that's more popular Has something shifted in that way.
0: In, in, in a few kind of interesting ways, like uh, uh, even though Amazon said that they've had a complete stop of building and renting and doing that, that, they just cut the ribbon on a 1.2 million square foot facility here in Phoenix that they said is one of, maybe two or three or four around the country. So again, it depends on what the push is in terms of what, how supply chain management's gonna uh, respond to it. Right now, it's the need for speed. Everything is like, all you hear is I got it's gotta be on that guy's front door within 24 hours. And a lot of the time it is. I mean, I order stuff online, it's like, it's nuts. So,
1: yeah. and, and, <laughs> and with that, with that line of thinking, Um, I know that uh, the state is part of um, growing, I'll say growing the infrastructure for EV vehicles and the charging stations. Uh, (laughs) I had a funny feeling I was gonna get that response, but uh, do you think that that is gonna come into play for commercial vehicles sooner than later and because, Arizona and other uh, southern border states have this short connection to Mexico. What if if we have supply chains here that are working with Mexico, and they adopt commercial vehicles in the EV space, is that stop at the border? I mean, is that hmm. is that something to consider?
0: You mean if they're not able to charge the vehicles across the border? Or we're if building it's something
1: them. Mexico may not be adopting so we, fast.
0: We are building them here down in uh, Casa Grande at, at the Cola Motors. They're building, you know. I, I think uh, FedEx had an order for 2,000 trucks or something from them way back. So they're building that stuff. Uh, again, it depends on what you believe the technology is going to be. Because uh, as I stated, the American entrepreneur is the smartest guy in the world. they'll figure out a better, cheaper... Or gal (laughs) I say that generically (laughs) the royal at any rate uh, they'll figure out a way to make it better cheaper and and uh, uh, and they'll just bring it to market that way Uh, I believe uh, the cola for one is is really pushing hydrogen and I don't don't know that electrical is the way to go it's very expensive to do electrical Uh, as I read in the paper yesterday electrical car sales are really staggering. They're like they're not pushing those cars out the door. Part of it is because of the infrastructure. There's not enough charging stations. Well, and That's it also might
1: be you know cost.
0: The cost too, um, and they've taken away the tax incentives.
1: That and um, interest rates. So if someone doesn't have, I'll say seventy thousand dollars cash to buy a vehicle, they're going to want to get a loan. So like, you know, yeah. every every other area of business that um, usually requires uh, a loan that's created somewhat and the
2: inconvenience of having not the right infrastructure for that can be really bad when it comes to logistics and supply chain. I mean, if you just look at California, you have people lining up in Teslas for (laughs) hours to charge their car. Can you imagine if that if those were trucks and and, you know, everything bringing you all of your product to Americans, how delayed that would be? It'd be another shutdown almost.
1: So So. these are all things that uh, business has to consider when they are thinking about a relocation, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if I came to you and uh, let's say my business was in Detroit and I'm thinking about coming here, what would you advise me to consider first in in a line of decision-making? What What's the most important thing to consider, or you know, two or three things to consider?
2: Where are your customers? <laughs> um, mainly where you want to be in the city, I guess. Who are you serving? And, and you know, how do we get it to them as quick as we can? And we'll put you in that location.
1: But what if part of the business plan um, is going to change that over the course of, let's say, five years? Would you recommend kind of a tiered, Plan related to a facility or, on how
0: people move here or uh,
2: um, y-
1: y- making a decision on what facility what kind of facility and and where
2: I see what you're saying yeah. yeah and I think well we have clients that do a lot of satellites so you know if their short-term goal for the first two years is to get their stuff out to LA you put them on the west side in a distribution centers let's say for example and then if they start wanting to serve the east side of the valley you set them up in satellite locations you know, maybe make their lease if you can coterminous with their d c and then you could reevaluate when those lease expirations come
0: if I were to st- step back one one step before we're leasing these places out, I understand your question. essentially, that's what we do. We're alchemists we're taking mm-hmm. uh, uh, we're taking whatever information that we're getting from them and we're transforming it into a cohesive picture. So and none of the questions are ever the same. We've dealt with people from all over the country. And when we get them on the phone, when we do our pre, uh, uh, pre-meetings before we're, we're meeting with them, before we're even doing any of the work, uh, everybody has a different take on what it is they're trying to achieve. I mean, everybody wants to make money in the location that they're coming to. But there are different ways of making money. Like uh, um, here we've got an environment where the climate is good where there's there's so many other factors that would affect people who want to relocate here and who want to be here that's why it was always tough for the california people to come here they they didn't want to leave newport beach i mean it was it's nice out there so can't blame them yeah yeah but even they're coming now where they weren't coming before they're coming now again for a, a myriad of of reasons that are some of them are social some of them are cultural, some of them are family. Some I, I uh, this is really a magnet, and it's a young, it's a young person state, huh. and so it's a magnet that way. And we're, uh, I moved here from L.A., so I kind of understand what the population was starting to look like and how it was just so there was just a mass of people. When I moved here in '94, it wasn't like that. It started to become like that, but oh, it's it sure just. Is. But there's still a lot of capacity for for what's going on because. We're building like it's a checkerboard, going all the way west yeah. towards LA. It's just building like a checkerboard.
1: Yeah, and and you know southeast towards Tucson as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Um,
0: we didn't even talk about Tucson, but yeah. yeah that.
1: But if if uh, as a manufacturer, let's say, is considering coming here or any of the other border states, um, and because supply chain is constantly shifting and evolving uh like a moving target right is there anything in particular that you would recommend a company includes as uh a matter in contract
0: hmm wow i know i just threw that well it's an (laughs) all-encompassing question because it depends on what their needs are like if you're dealing with a bottling company you got to make sure the city's going to allow you to pump like million gallons every day or whatever it is, it, 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 if you're dealing with a heavy, like a steel manufacturer, you've got to make sure that there is an already existing supply of electrical uh, f- uh, capacity where he's going to be. So it, it kind of it all differs for everybody. Some people need rail, some people need road. Um, some people are servicing the local market. Like I like say, Drew and I do a lot of uh, cross-country, so we're getting guys who are coming in here, and we get a great view in conversation as to what's going on in their marketplace, culturally, socially, business-wise, so <laughs> there are a myriad of reasons for, for why you'd come down here, and I I don't know why what I would tell a manufacturer first until I heard what his what his needs are.
1: And I think maybe perhaps um, something that's essential to remember is never just assume. Never assume anything. Ask as many questions as mm-hmm. possible and keep asking the questions, because the questions prompt more questions. And that's how you get the answers that you need.
0: Just as a, a stray thought, while we're talking about supply chain management, I think the most overlooked and the most affected and the thing that we're really struggling on with supply chain management is quality labor, labor mm. at an educational yes. level that uh, will allow uh, those people to get into industries at different levels and, and grow. And we have the population here. I don't know that we're educating them properly, but we have the population here. That's, where, that's really where there's going to be a supply chain shortage. They pointed, um, and it's funny how this thing is always the, a dynamic, but when we were prognosticating what was going to, the construction outlook was going to look like, everybody circled, which I did too, they circled the end of uh, 2024, saying that that's where we're going to run out of all of the stuff that we need because we're not getting it in any steady fashion from the guys who are supplying mm. it. So in the meantime we were trying to set up alternate routes and whatever but that's even ceased to become even a thought and it was 6 months ago it was prevalent.
1: Right. That that's we how were heading fast everything's changing. Yeah.
0: So uh, apparently they feel strong enough that they've um, secured a supply chain that will allow them to continue, continue building cuz Every day and so help me every week. We're we're seeing a new announcement for another development That's coming out and then it's not lip service. We can see like dirt moving and flags being planted and
1: yeah It's exciting stuff. So I want to ask one other thing before we wrap up Uh, Are you are you hearing rumblings from? uh, companies that They are wanting to introduce robotics Hmm. into the warehouses or if they're coming here to build a new facility or looking for a existing facility, is robotics more and more of the equation, or not? Not so much yet.
2: For for guys that we deal with, I haven't uh, I haven't had many requests or conversations about um, having robotics part of the warehouse or any type of like new yeah, technology like, like that, mm-hmm. like Amazon. Um, but I do know it's coming. I mean, I, I went to a, an event a while back and. They were talking about how they had a plan to start having drones. And I think some companies are doing this. But where flying drones, they could build you know industrial warehouses very high, and they have these drones that go up and pick products up and bring it down. So I think stuff like that is starting to happen. And mm-hmm. it starts with that small stuff. And I think it will happen eventually. But right now, we're, I, I haven't seen so with,
1: many. So would that um, likely entail having to go to the different cities and ask for, <clears throat> you know, variances on, you know, height restrictions or not, not no, quite? No, it,
0: it still falls within what we're doing here. Uh, OK. Uh, it, 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 not like an airport, but it still falls within what we're doing here. But yeah, the points we'll take on like Amazon really uh, introduced uh, uh, the robotics, at least in, in, in this marketplace. It was the first place that I saw and I went through a tour. When the first plant that they put up here on, on Buckeye 45th or 50th Avenue. And it was fascinating to see. it was kind of like being in Disneyland. You know, there are little autonomous trains that are weaving their mm-hmm. way through the and and then stopping, and a cart's dropping off, and people are coming in excess. so it, 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 not quite the Bolshoi ballet, but but it was a really interesting thing to see. Uh, in California, it does look like the Bolshoi Ballet. Like if you go into some of the plants where they're manufacturing and you see a line of robotics, they're moving in these incredibly core, it, 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 it's very balletic, but it, it's moving in this in coordinated uh, way. Now, California invested in it because they have workman's comp and so many other um, limiting factors to their workforce uh, that they needed to introduce robotics. And I suppose that it, uh, maybe as a sign of the time, we'll get it here too. Maybe not to the extent that they've got it there. I, I haven't seen what the inside of the uh TSMC plant looks like but that's got to be a wonder.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean when we went at, yeah. w- being up there and watching the 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 uh, flights that they were taking of this this construction it looked like the redwood forest out there they had so many cranes it was not Yeah, to be I drove believed. by
1: there the other day. It's 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 a sight. Yeah. It's a sight.
0: Like 40
2: or 50 cranes yeah.
1: up there. Yeah. It's all crazy. At once. It's crazy. So sign of, sign, of times, right? yeah, exactly. sign of the times, right? Sign of the times. Well, thank you both so much for being here today and um, you know, giving us a heads up on what's happening and where we've been and what to look forward to uh, in the near future. Drew Ison and Izzy Sonneman, thank you both from NAI Horizon. Uh, if you, you want to look at thank this you. broadcast, no, my pleasure. If you want to look at this broadcast uh, again or any of our great podcasts, uh, feel free to do so. Just check them out at the ismworld.org website. I'm Melanie Stern for the Institute for Supply Management, bringing you real stories with real impact, as always, right here on Supply Chain Unfiltered.